episode five right before a three-day weekend. Not that I really know what a three-day weekend means anymore, since they're all still blending together, as we're not back at our little we work yet. But um, I do have news to share. What do you got? I got my antibody test back, finally. Now, this is after I took it last Sunday. And I had wait, a wait, wait, why did you get an antibody test? Well, because Jesse definitely had, had COVID. Why don't we just back up, though, and let me tell you. I got it on Sunday, never heard back from City MD or anything. Finally decided to just call them up because I never got my code or whatever. So I called them before this, and I am negative somehow. So you screw everything up, literally. Yeah. You can't even do a, you can't even do an antibody test properly. <laughs> and what was her uh, test? And and Jesse is positive. So the fact that we live together, and she's yeah, positive, so basically and I'm that just tells you that the tests are complete bullshit. Either that, or maybe I don't screw everything up. I'm just so good that I was able to not get COVID, even with living with somebody who has COVID. Either that, that is definitely not like, the case that you think you have some super inability. You that get sick all the time has some super inability. I'm either, I'm either fucking Superman or I outsmarted the virus. Meanwhile, I mean, with all this cocky talk, you know I'm going to get it like next week. Maybe the beard was what kept the virus away from your nose and mouth. I, I have, of course, your eyes. Been it's not going to get. Much, it's not going to get into those eyes, right? <laughs> That's, that's, oh. that's, all right, I've got news as well. Okay. I was able this is to big news, it. right? I, is it big news? Well, I don't know. I was able to we don't know what the news is, so how do we know if it's big? Yeah, I think we're well, talking about – I'm quite certain that we're talking about two different things <laughs> because I was actually able to hack into your uh, Zoom camera and take a picture of you while you were on the Disney earnings call, and I'd like to release that video right now. How do I do this? There we go. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Eddie Lowe from Bank of America. Please go ahead. Bank of America. Hey, uh, Guan Yitong, please. Um, hello. Hey, 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 what, $10 million doesn't even get you one fucking question? Right. I'm out here in the streets getting bloody and fighting with the fucking Trumps for fucking Baba. I, I got $10 million, I can't ask one goddamn question? It looks right. like nobody gets to ask a question. Nobody gets to ask questions on okay. conference calls. No, Rich, you don't get to ask questions on conference calls. The rest of us uh, do. But obviously, we knew that wasn't you because he wasn't wearing a Star Wars mask while while listening to the call. Right? With his hand Carry, carrying a, light, a lightsaber and like beating the desk because look, Rich, you're never going to get a question on a Disney call again. Just. It is, it is what it is, especially now that Chapik is running the show, a disciple of Iger. If, if Kevin Mayer um, may have gotten it, maybe, may, maybe you would have gotten a question because he embraces the digital future. But you, with all your critique of them, forget it. Well, at least we do have big Kevin Mayer news this week, right? I mean, Kevin Mayer may not be at Disney to take my questions, but... Kevin Mayer's now head of TikTok. I mean, that's by far, I think, when you think about, like, what happened this week, 
yeah. one of the, the top executive of Disney leaving to go to TikTok, no legacy assets anymore. And I think what's really interesting is he's not just going to TikTok, he's going to be COO of ByteDance and ByteDance, uh, you know, effectively has a limitless balance sheet and Kevin's the deal guy from Disney. And so to me, this signals not just that he's excited about TikTok's future, but that there's a lot of other things to kind of pieces to put together. I think this has got to be an investment banker's dream in terms of what's going to happen next at ByteDance because they're going to buy a lot of things, I have to imagine, with Kevin there now. Yeah, and especially in, in the U.S. because it isn't ByteDance outside of this particular TikTok North America. Can you take that pick down? I can't see you, Rich. I can, if you leave the slide up, I can, there you go. And I want to, yeah, there you go. And by the this way, is, I just want like to our, This is like our Zooms where we have to force people to, to leave their I'm wearing a TikTok. I can't be staring at a tweet the whole time. <laughs> anyway, getting back to it, isn't ByteDance primarily focused in Asia as of now outside of this asset? So does it make sense, Rich? And you tell me, you would know better than, than I would. Um, that they might build a, a larger U.S. presence through M&A? Or do you think TikTok's the platform and they're going to expand that platform? I, know, I mean, look, you, you, you know, you look at another company that's trying to build a platform. You, you know, you think about Epic Games with Fortnite and you think about like last year, they bought House Party, right? And so you're building, you're acquiring tools and you're adding things that you can kind of, if, as you start thinking about where these ecosystems go, I have to believe that there's other things that TikTok can build platform-wise that extend its, its overall trajectory. I mean, look, usage is exploding. I mean, top creators, we talked about in an earlier episode of this, um, you know, you've got people getting 50 million plus followers. So, I mean, like the, the usage and engagement is, is through the roof. Now the question is, what do you add to that structurally to make it move even faster? And I, I don't honestly know and, exactly. And also faster towards what? Like with Epic, uh, it's at this point, Tim Sweeney has well telegraphed um, and our, our friend Matt Ball has written about it a million times. What where they see their platform going towards the eventual quote unquote metaverse. Where, do, what does TikTok want to be one day? Right. I mean, look, I think, you know, there are, there's the one thing that's clearly missing from my standpoint when looking at TikTok is they don't really have a communications layer. You know, if you think about like Snapchat is used for communications, iMessage, WhatsApp, the one thing TikTok doesn't really have is, is messaging. And you wonder whether could that be where they look or how do they think about that going forward? I mean, this week, Facebook bought Giphy, right? Because they wanted to be bigger in messaging and they want to have more control in the messaging arena. Um, Google bought Tenor a couple of years ago. Messaging is going to probably play some role, I have to believe, in TikTok's future. I don't know what that looks like, and I don't know what the asset is, but yeah. coming out of Asia, I got to believe they see how important messaging is. So if you have a – first of all, I love TikTok. I mean, it's amazing, as I've said before. So but you can't share to another user in TikTok because I know when I share it, I'm sending it into, like, Apple text messaging or things like that. If that's an you easy can, way to try and maybe get engagement on, on messaging, right? It's just not, I just don't think it's, it's almost like Instagram direct messaging was really, right. really downplayed for a while. And, you know, I think in, it took a while, it's still small, right? I mean, Twitter DMing, like I Twitter DM you two, but Twitter DMing is not like a core activity. I don't respond like I don't respond to all yeah, the you other don't, uh, yeah, You don't just, respond in any platform, platform, so. For Brandon to ignore any type of messaging whatsoever. <laughs> all right, so, let's yeah, move on to the next okay. one, Add messaging to TikTok, because we still won't get a response on TikTok. <laughs> 
Okay, so let's go to the other huge news of the week. This, which this is, is the biggest. A lot of video in our episode this week. I like yeah. it, Rich. A lot of video. Let's go. Rogan, go. Uh, hold on. Not playing. Hold oh, on God. one Here second. Hold on. Function. Oh, well. See, I just jinxed it. I know. Everything was going so well, Rich. Yeah, Rich yeah, is, yeah, yeah. Rich is our chief IT guy. Right? Is Hello, everybody. I have on. an oh, announcement. Yes. The podcast is moving to Spotify. I signed a multi-year licensing agreement with Spotify that will start on September 1st. Starting on September 1st, the entire JRE library will be available on Spotify as well as all the other platforms. Then somewhere around the end of the year, it will become exclusive to Spotify, including the video version of the podcast. It will be the exact same show. I'm not going I mean... This is a watershed moment, watershed as, moment for as podcasts. As big as it gets, I think. I mean, I, my, the first thing I thought about when I, when I heard that was Howard Stern and Siri. And maybe it's not directly analogous, directly, directly, but this is the content that they had to have exclusively to really launch podcasts on Spotify and really make Spot, Spotify more about or more than just music. Well, I think the problem is, Brandon, that they're trying to solve is that most people, like I look at my wife, I look at my kids, they have iPhones, they just simply listen to podcasts on Apple Podcasts because that's what was built in, that's what they used, and you need to use something, it's a hammer to get people to shift over. And, I, and I, I feel like this is that sort of like, Rogan is so popular, people are gonna start using Spotify for podcasting who never used it, and then they're just going to stick around for everything else and build their podcast lineup there versus on Apple. So to me, this is just like Plus, this is how you move people over. Yeah, I, there's there's so, there's so many benefits. I mean, the advertising business this gives a real let's call it anchor show to to build anchor. That's kind of that no pun there. An anchor show to to really build the ad business um, on top of and and launch that forward. Obviously, it brings lit more listeners into the funnel that could be upsold. Subscription. It's like what you said with no, Howard. No like, ha it. It, but you were like with Howard. Like it, it forced people to do something. No one was ever thinking about satellite radio until they had to go there for their Howard Stern fix. So, do you think though? It's it's. I mean, if, if Apple's got whatever share, fifty percent plus. Like my wife listens to a lot of podcasts. I think I don't know if she uses that Apple or not. Um, but she doesn't listen to Joe Rogan. My kids, when I, when I talked about this mood, the kids are the ones that are watching it on YouTube. So, but they don't listen to any podcast and they were actually distressed by the fact that like, oh, I love these like five minute clips on YouTube. So you're saying to move the podcast people theoretically from Apple to Spotify, but are someone listening to Joe Rogan? Is it the same person that's, that's driving the podcast listening on Apple? But now the, the video is going to be exclusive to Spotify. So your right. kids are still going to have to go to Spotify. That, to I hear you on that. But the, my, kid, my point was, though, Brandon, that the kids aren't podcasters. They don't listen to any podcasts. Yep. So they're new to podcasting. So maybe you're expanding the market. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. agree. My point is, like, is the demo of people listening to podcasts, which is largely on Apple now, are they also listening to Joe Rogan, or is this a completely different demographic? I think it blends across the two. And I would I would think that, you know, first of all, this isn't the only exclusive podcast deal Spotify has done. There's been a couple of other big ones in recent months. But my also, my guess is there will be female skewing ones. Um, obviously, this one obviously skews heavily to the male demographic. But I do think there'll be more to come that sort of bring in, you know, uh, 
if you think about sort sort of some of the big podcasters that are out there in terms of true crime, obviously, um, I I, say, what they about bought Gimlet. I, I mean, there's going to be more stuff to come. There's no doubt about it that there's good, that they will need more than just Joe Rogan to push people over. But I think this is a really important building block, and I think it signals to the whole market Spotify is for real. And my other question on this is what my kids highlighted, who are avid listeners of Joe Rogan, is that they were telling me his frustration with YouTube has been some of the censorship and some of the guests. Is is does Spotify or is, is Spotify immune to that, or is he going to face the same type of challenge? I mean, obviously at a hundred million dollars, yeah. he'll be fine with whatever they say. But like, is that is that going to be an issue with Spotify? I, I don't know what the spot the, the, the censorship rules are around podcasting on Spotify. I mean, I there's, haven't. Dude, there's no chance that they did this deal without knowing what they were getting. Of in. course, of course. Yeah. And look, so, who's that other dude, PewDiePie or whoever it was that like YouTube bounced for a couple? Of, I don't know who it is. They bounced him for YouTube, a couple of years yeah. and now he's back. So like even YouTube, I'm, I'm you know, it's about making money. But podcasting was center stage everywhere. Well, because podcasting was just everywhere this week. I mean, the Joe Rogan news was followed up by, you know, two stories that came out. One, um, one was an Apple story basically saying that Apple's going out looking for podcast exclusives. It seems like Apple's working on some form of project or product that will look um, – again, they don't do advertising, so it can't be sort of a dedicated product. And I'm not sure whether it's going to be folded into Apple Music or separate, but there's something bigger. You know, the, 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 the exclusivity that we're talking about with Joe Rogan, Apple is definitely looking at this. And then Lucas Shaw had another story from Bloomberg out this week that Amazon's Audible, which – you know, it's sort of funny, like audiobooks and podcasting are, are, are almost like interchangeable. Like, I don't think a lot of people understand that like one's a book and, you know, one's a pod- like some of these podcasts sort of feel like books, but Amazon's clearly trying to do something. Uh, it doesn't sound like there is as much momentum there as there is at Apple in terms of something happening. But I think everyone's looking at this category. Everyone's looking at like podcasting is virgin territory for like finding IP on the cheap and turning it into movies yeah. and TV shows. I was thinking a lot back to the Liberty Analyst Day this year where Maffei was kind of said, well, look at video content and everything's so expensive because there's this war for exclusive content. Now and so that's why the audio category is so attractive in Siri and so on and so forth. Now it looks like there could wind up being the same sort of streaming wars in audio. Obviously early stage, but Rogan's a watershed moment. You see Apple here. The word exclusive was in that tweet. Yep. And, and you know sure as heck that that Spotify is gonna want exclusives too. You think about those rights that Siri owns. They pretty much own, from a national basis, all the major talk rights, right? Whether it's NBA, Fox News, MSNBC, sure. CNBC, so on and so forth. I mean, does do those personalities, does that talent, you know, kind of go up for bid as they expire? I don't know. It's going to be fascinating, and I think everyone's looking. I think you're right. I think it's just a lot cheaper. Audio is everywhere. Smart cars, smart speakers, AirPods, all these things. And it's just audio is just consuming so much more time spent. And everyone's realizing, hey, we can get engagement. We can get more minutes per day of your time. And hey, if it's really successful, this audio thing can turn into a movie or a TV show. And we're just seeing, you know, Peacock's going to be launching uh, nationally later this summer. And one of their big shows that's going to come out is Dr. Death, which came from a podcast from Wondery. Like, that that form of moving content up, I think we're going to see more and more of. 
buddy of mine who's like who's in on the marketing side in the business was telling me the story about how Conan, I guess, has a podcast. And he's like, mm -hmm. he, he, when fans come up to him, he knows immediately whether they're fans from the talk show on television or the podcast. Because the talk show people are like, uh, whatever. And then like, but the podcast people are like right in his face, super personal, like knows everything about his wife or whatever it is. And it's it's just well, it's a so very intimate, different... right? It's so intimate. It's the intimacy of that connection that's just amazing. As uh, audio has always been. Look how we started this, right? We started with Portnoy. Like, he's powerful because of that podcast, you know, because he's on audio all the time. By the way, Tim, that makes me think you brought up, um, we didn't bring up the Call Her Daddy Girls, right? <laughs> and their podcast wars. You said Spotify might need some, uh, some, some uh, female skewing um, content. Yeah, there you go. They're they're yeah. they're, uh, they're free agents. It seems. Oh yes, a <laughs> shout out to okay, Portman. Let's, let, let, hey, let's keep man. Let's keep I have some differences with with some Portnoy things now. So let's move off. Here. Apple Apple services, Walt. Why don't you talk a little bit about <laughs> Apple services entry? Well, again, Lucas Shaw with Mark Gurman in this case. I think Mark Gurman had the other name. I think they're doing a lot of work together now. Uh, I mean, look, Apple, as I've complained about, doesn't give a lot of data on its services business. Services is the driver of what has expanded the multiple on the stock. Um, so it was very interesting that they came out with this number of like between whatever launch date in February, they had signed up 10, 10 million subscribers. Didn't say what they're paying. I doubt that any of them are. And then only 5 million of them are active. Just to put those numbers in context, um, Joe estimated that basically between the time it was launched to the end of February, there was 150 million devices sold. And of those devices, um, that's who qualified for a free subscription. On top of that, you could have gotten a three month free subscription. So to only sign up five or 10 million, and they're all free by the way, and it's then so you get, and only 5 million are engaging, right? So they probably all watched, um, what's the talk show? What's Aniston's talk show? Whatever it's called. Morning the show. Morning show. Morning show. I mean, so how do you keep them? So then you had that second thing on the screen, which was the pivot, which we talked about before. Like, how do you keep customers or how do you keep subscribers um, when you only have a limited number of shows? So obviously Apple's pivoting and there's nothing wrong with that, right? I mean, we've talked many times about a business that some of the most successful businesses and even, what's his face? The, um, Katzenberg talked about this. It's like learning, yeah, he learning, yeah, <laughs> learning, learning what works and doesn't and, and that's what Apple's doing now. So, there, so the question is what library, Rich, Brandon, is out there? Can Apple create enough to actually keep any subscribers. I mean, you know, are you talking about from an M&A perspective or are they going to go out and, and Well, you just can't produce the and, size and start, of Netflix's library overnight. No, 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 no. It takes years. It doesn't have to be M&A though. They could just start like they're going to obviously start by licensing shows. So or movies or I don't know what their strategy is. Do they want it is there a certain demographic they want to go after? What do you think, Rich? There has never been a video service that's been successful starting without other people's content. 100%. Um, and it's just because there's obviously an infinite base and there's a lot of known entities in that legacy content. And, you know, HBO was other people's movies. AMC used to be called American Movie Classics. FX used to be Ally McBeal and X-File reruns. I mean, there's a long history of like the playbook here. I think Apple thought that they could just spend on new stuff and use other people's apps, whether it be HBO or Showtime as their kind of effectively their library. 
And I think the reality is if you really want to build daily engagement, minutes per day, which I think John Stank Look, I think that's why if you look at HBO Max, which launches next week, it's all about putting way more content into HBO. It's how do you drive every day, make you go there for something. Like people just now, they go to Netflix and they literally go, what's in the top 10? And they start watching something new. Like that is what is happening. They are not doing that with Apple TV Plus. And so I think <laughs> this is all about building up lots of content for Apple TV. That's my it's guess. Right. It's just HBO a lot of stuff Max. to do. HBO Max just seems, the more I think about it, just not to like jump over, seems just so well positioned. I agree. They have the amazing originals. They have access to a ton of library. And being able to put those two together is, in my view, the first real and Netflix they've got good competitor production. They've got a studio that, that we, can produce stuff. That we've seen. And by the way, I'll say this again, but we, you know, we've always said basic Netflix has become basic cable. Like HBO and the and the Warner family also has news and they have access to sports. They can actually really put together a service or bundle, to use that term loosely, sure. um, that drives real everyday engagement. This is, in my view, the first real Netflix So So Apple has a massive checkbook. What is out there to buy like even if oh there is still lots of content okay. if, a, if apple wants to go spend like seriously if, if apple wanted to go spend five billion dollars on library content uh, especially in this current environment where the studios are all stressing out about being able to to do things like apple just this week put 50 million dollars into buying a tom hanks movie because they weren't sure that movie could actually get released in theaters and what it was going to look like and so that's obviously not library that's you know effectively something new but if Apple wanted to put billions of dollars into library content, there's still plenty of buyer, or sorry, plenty of sellers that would sell them content. Not to mention, you think about sports, uh, you know, not to digress down that rabbit hole, but if they wanted to get into sports, they could certainly put a couple of billion dollars into, you know, sports rights and have incredible sports rights content within the next two years in that app. So, well, dude, they better start fucking spending that because the war is <laughs> on. Netflix has got great, pro great product and HBO Max is, is ready to come. So they got to start getting it going. Let's go. Let's I mean, go, Eddie. I mean, speaking of Netflix, things are going so well right now during the pandemic. They're actually telling subscribers who don't use their accounts, would you like us to cancel your account? I mean, to me, that's the ultimate bull move. Like they're doing so well that they're basically telling consumers, hey, you're not using us. We won't even charge you. We'll just cancel your account. I mean, I, I just think that that is something that in, in the media industry, you would never see HBO go, oh my God, you haven't watched HBO in three months? Because it, it happens to me all the time, right? Like I don't watch HBO every single month because there isn't like a show I care about every month. And they never, say, they never say, hey, would you like to cancel? That's an uncarrier move right there. That's exactly yes. the type yeah. of stuff that John Ledger would, would, would doing in the earlier uncarriers. By the way, T-Mobile did another uncarrier this week, which is a total nothing burger, like nothing in, innovative. But like, you're right, Rich. This is what ties you into those consumers. And your competitors are the exact competitors that Ledger has, are these guys that don't know how to compete and are char overcharging you for stuff, layering on additional fees every month. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a layup. <laughs> that is the uncarrier pitch. <laughs> no, but they want you to love. They want you to love the brand, right? Like John Ledger, sure. he he understands you want to love yeah. the brand. No, build Reed, love. Reed is now that I think, just the the whole, the whole thing with um, no annual subscriptions, so on and so forth. They've always had enough confidence to be like, if you want to cancel, cancel, 
and this is just an extent, it's that on steroids. Now, of course, the numbers are the actual amount of people who are going to see that message. It's like the minimus. So this is kind of more a marketing thing than anything yeah, else. Sure. I think it was like, what is it, like a quarter of a percent of subscribers will even get this yeah. message. But I was the just thinking like, say, email. That's, a, that's how the uncarrier moves were as well. Like it, there's like a big hit in the first month, but it's just a marketing move primarily yeah. that drives loyalty with your existing customer that, that the company is looking out for you, right? And but, I, but I think timing is really important. the number one thing, right? Churn is the number one thing. And that's exactly what you want to build is loyalty in your customer base. In but it's case, also timing, right? Like the timing of this is also important, right? Like we've been talking on this, po you know, this discussion of like, hey, ESPN is $10 a month and there's no way to get your rebate because there's no sports on TV or Fox Sports or whatever it may be. Like, there's no way, that, like, this just seems so well-timed in the standpoint of everyone is sort of like trying to save money. Everyone's worried about their finances. Cable is literally unchanged. They literally, all these conference calls in Q1, all the executives were like, eh, there's really no way to get you a rebate on the sports that didn't happen. Sorry, consumers. Okay. By the way, it seems like there's going to be a lot of sports that are about to happen. Maybe Netflix is realizing that and that engagement is going to shift off their platform and they're trying a little bit and they're trying to, uh, to garner some goodwill ahead yeah. of them. Who let's knows? Shift to, let's shift to the next one, which is another okay. risk to cable. Play that video, Rich. Uh, hold on one oh, second. boy. No, uh, I just – sometimes the video is a little funky, but it's going to play right now. Hold on. That looks grainy. And I'm pleased to announce that now we will have um, – uh, 5GNR on the uplink uh, in our 5G markets now. Now, what, what does that mean? It's probably, to a lot of people, it's a bunch of mumbo jumbo. But what it, what it really does is we're taking the tools, the techniques of, of 5G and adding it to the portion of the communication path get to the from the device to the cell site. Okay, well, what does that mean? Well, it means you're going to be able at least 30% faster. Uh, oh. So you'll be able to get upload speeds in between 25 meg all the way up to max that we see uh, now is to 100 meg. 100 so that's going to be a. So we're talking 100 meg. Hopefully, uplink. by the way, that grainy video wasn't uploaded with the 5G upload because <laughs> I, I'm going to be a little skeptical. Go on. Sorry. All right, you're talking about grainy. You finally got a camera that actually works <laughs> that we can see you clearly, and you're talking about grainy. Uh, Rich, 100 I'm not megabit. Not a broadband company, though. Okay. 100 I'm, megabit uplink is that's let's go back to the issue and all now let's go back to rich issues. greenfield yeah my, my upload speed i checked before this discussion 40 on the upstream wired cable yeah. modem 40. that's how cable's always been it's, it's so never let's been not dwell on this because it's not happening overnight but again this is another step and look i've, I've been one that's that ripped on verizon for a while in terms of the millimeter wave what he's actually referencing is using more millimeter wave spectrum in an uplink, something I didn't think that they were gonna be able to accomplish ever, let alone in this year. Now, granted, it may not, you know, this is just a video and maybe it still only works for 50 feet. It's a pretty big milestone for Verizon to get the 5G product going. And again, long-term, intermediate term, maybe even 2021, this could be a challenge for the cable company that most investors are basically just ignoring right now. Well, I know an industry it's very good for, because if you have two-way synchronous high-speed um, broadband on mobile, that is only going to be one more thing that's fueling video gaming. And that really oh, shows us our next slide, which is sort of what happened in slide. April. Okay. Segue, Rich. Nice job. Nicely done. Very nicely done. Okay. So, yes. 
spending on video games has gone absolutely through the roof um, during the pandemic. We've discussed this the last couple of weeks. I, the, the numbers are astounding. The engagement on video games far is far greater, the increase versus any other type of, any form of linear media. And obviously spending is boosted by the fact that you can directly monetize time spent and time spent has been amazing. So that's, that's really what you're seeing on, on the left. And then on the right here, this is a list of, of uh, April's top selling games from NPD. Uh, what's amazing is yes, you have you know, some new IP, the Final Fantasy VII remake, but Call of Duty Modern Warfare um, is, is right at the top there, really showing that Warzone and the free-to-play experience has been able to drive sales of the paid experience. So that's... But so but that's Brandon, when you think about this, but we, we, hold on, when you, when you think about the... Just go back to the first slide, because I want to relate the two for you. Yeah. The, the biggest growth, that first number was $420 million was spent in, in the quarter on devices. And like, just hardware, yeah. Just, just hardware. That, obviously, the software is one time in a sense. And by the like, way, right? this is, yeah, what's that's a great point, Rich. And what's amazing about it is we're at the end of a console cycle now. Exactly. So and you, all these people now have new consoles out of nowhere that they're going to play with over the course of the whole next year and buy content. Yep. So you you will see some kind of step function um, or a new base, I would say, in, in players in TAM for the software releases. And again, moving over to the second one, um, Activision is showing that you can have a free-to-play experience and still have an upfront purchase and make them play off of each other. It's gonna be very interesting to see what happens when the new Call of Duty is released this year. My guess is it will break records right up front. And if you just go back to the slide one more second, there's sure. a few other interesting things on there. I think, yeah, the fact that GTA 5 is still fifth, that game came out seven years ago, okay? Is, is still fifth. It sold 130 million units at this point. And even more importantly, from the earnings call this week, which was like kind of our last earnings, I, I think um, recurrent spend, meaning GTA online um, spending, was up 80% year over year. It was up 40% last fiscal quarter. And monthly active users, even before the pandemic, were continuing to grow month over month. So that ongoing open world experience that we've talked a lot about in the past, I, they, they have it. Everyone talks about GTA. What about sports? GTA. What about 6. sports in a sports world? Well, how is FIFA? Yeah. How is FIFA twelfth on the list? Is that like yeah. a normal slot for them? I mean, no, I I, it's interesting because everyone said was trying to figure out why EA hasn't participated as much. Um, in, in some of the engagement growth, even though they obviously beat the quarter, so on and so forth. And everyone said, well, it's because there's no sports on TV and so on and so forth. But NBA 2K is sitting at number four. So maybe this is an EA issue and it's not a general sports games don't work when sports aren't on television. I just can't believe, I think about just all these people that probably never thought about buying consoles or bought second consoles. I mean, I finally got my Switch this week. I had to pay a ridiculous amount of money for it. How much I got did you the pay? Switch. What did you pay? 
Uh, I don't really want to say. I, just I mean, it's embarrassing. I'd sell you one of my kids. Is it over a thousand? No, it wasn't. It was. Uh, I paid. I paid basically double. So six hundred. Okay. Where was it shipped By from? the way, that was. It came with a. It came with a game though, so it wasn't really double. Where was but... it shipped from? Texas. <laughs> What's amazing, e eBay. Rick, eBay. Is I, is I got you to tell us using the oldest trick in the book of overshooting. <laughs> <laughs> But no, but I do think about now, once you have this bigger installed base of devices, people are going to start buying software for all of these things. And so to your point on the TAM for each of these games, like it, yeah. it really does set a new base. I mean, I just, I, I know so many people that are buying consoles of some form because of this. And with, you know, camps are canceled for the summer. Like yeah. there is going to be like, I think a multi-month, like just, it's going to be crazy, I think, as you get into no, no more school during the day and no camp. Like, and by the way, the challenges that linear media is facing in terms of creating new content, because of the digital nature of creating interactive content, except for some of the motion capture stuff, you're not going to have the hiccups. And so you're, like going, to have, you're going to have fresh content. So isn't it just we're, we're, we should, the summer is the summer of video games. Like, that's what this is going to be, right? Like, it's going to be crazy. Ho hopefully, it's the summer of getting back outside a little bit. Yeah. Hopefully, it's the summer of my kids waking up before noon. There was a Wall Street well, Journal article about that today. I mean, well, that was spot on. I don't know what your kids are doing, but Jesus, dude, they go to sleep late. Oh, we're on football now. Let's move on. Well, no, before but hopefully they can go back to school. But hopefully they can go back to school, right? Like, that's the other point, right? Like, well, like that you're saying, like, everyone's sort of remote school doesn't work. We've got Notre Dame, West Virginia, Ohio, all basically saying they're going back. Yeah, good signs. Well, good signs all week. Notre Dame, I think, was the beginning. First domino. Everyone's kind of falling in line now. So, Ohio um, State is, is talking about with fans for sure. I think they said they were going to put, what, like twenty to 30,000 fans in their football stadium. I mean, it that's, holds a hundred thousand, so it's like hundred. But that's that's basically like putting a sellout Madison Square Garden um, in a football stadium. That's still a significant amount of people. My I guess mean, when I was watching Bundesliga, there's no reason they can't throw like two thousand fans in there that are well, well socially distanced and get some type of noise, other than the echo of the coach in an empty stadium. Well, hold so. on. Do you do you think small Maybe. fans is better than no fans? Um, I if, think if just changing could, the. Changing the audio on the broadcast would be would be a really good start, but yes, small fans is better than no fans. Let's hear. Let's. I don't know. Let's try it out. Let's try yeah. it out. No fans work pretty good because the content was good. If EPL comes back, the content's going to be even better. But throw some fan. There's plenty of rooms in those stadiums that you can sprinkle some fans in there and create some type of noise. Okay, I, so the news I, is getting better with, beyond beyond the noise. If if fans could safely be in these stadiums, I mean colleges and we've discussed this on a, a bunch of our light shed lives colleges need the money it's a at least what a, th a third of their revenue is at the gate and it's supporting athletic programs it's supporting academics let's let's hope that we could safely have fans there for the sake of the students are we going back to the office i don't want to go back to the well, office. this was a big look the, the, what's interesting is this was a big these tweets we're reflecting in at least finance Twitter, some debates that were happening because there was some people writing about, oh, this is the end of, the, look at this, look at this tweet from this Dave Lee from Financial Times. An office that you go to every day in the morning and leave in the evening, that's surely coming to an end. I'm like, coming to an end. Like, so the daily commuter is just gonna end. 
Honestly, I find that hard to believe. I push back, like, well, you know, our companies are telling us six, nine, 12. I mean, okay, but then what? At some point, as Benedict Evans also said in that tweet, density is good. There's, there's a reason people were moving to cities. There's value um, in community in that way and a lot of the things. So you, I'll, you can put me in the camp of, yeah. Pendulum always swings to the way, this is, Walt is saying this, but Walt comes to our office less than anyone because he doesn't want to commute. But I also, I thankfully have a great setup at home, and yeah, not everyone has that yeah. that same but, setup at home, but, whether it's kids or the or what their homes are like, or you know whatever it is. So now, now I want to have that setup. <laughs> the, the absolutism of things obviously never works, right? I mean, yeah, we all agree 100%. there's going to be massive changes, but to say that like the daily commute or the cities are going to end, come on now. Okay, so we got to end this on the best slide. We have a slide hyperbole. of the week. Yeah, that's what we sells have on Twitter. Well, hyperbole. Talking hyperbole. Especially we've got, on DC Twitter. <laughs> oh, speaking of hyperbole, do we have any exactly. flying unicorns, Rich? We do have flying unicorns. Flying unicorns. We and Corona all tied into one. This is why this is slide of the week. Where's this from, Walt? SoftBank is a special <laughs> company. The, the clip art slides. Um, there was one slide from years ago talking about like telepathy of animals and how we're going to be communicating with our dogs. I mean, so this. So I unicorns think, are real. That's the. I mean, is that my well, takeaway here? The unicorns unicorn, exist. It's. It's. There was some again some more debate on Twitter whether this unicorn emerged from the valley of the coronavirus or he flew over the valley <laughs> of the of the coronavirus. Well, the um, other ones don't have wings. Look. Those are horses. I don't think those are unicorns. Those are horses that oh. couldn't, couldn't get out. Oh, I get it. So the think, unicorns no, actually, fly you know over, that you know that and the horses is? fall to their death. That unicorn is Rajiv Misra flying over the valley of negative articles about him and how he's been trying to take out people within his own company so he can rise to the top. That's the, that's the unicorn flying over. There was a, in, another incredible article. This time it was, I believe, Bloomberg talking about, you know, some of the things they were trying to do that Rajiv allegedly was trying to do to try and push out Marcelo out of the vision fund. So good read for those of you who haven't, haven't read it. That slide is just priceless. I mean, when you think about like what, I mean, first of all, I'm sure there's going to be a lot to do on the other side of coronavirus from an investment standpoint, but um, the, if it, if it really flew over and avoided all of it, I want to know which of those unicorns avoided this. So that's what I would love to find out. <laughs> Do we go through the stay-at-home stocks? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, that, okay, are we done? That was episode five. Thanks for joining us. It is the weekend. Bye, everyone. Long weekend, too. Yes. See ya. <laughs>